Hello and welcome to another episode of RT Plus and to what is the third episode in our Evolution and Divergent series focusing on markets in the EU and UK. And in today's episode, uh, we are going to be looking at possible changes on both sides of the channel to the derivatives and bonds regime. And I'm delighted uh, to be joined today by Anna Carrier from our Brussels office, who is Senior Government and Regulatory Affairs Advisor, and Jonathan Herbst from our London office, who is Global Head of Finance services. Hello to both Anna and Jonathan. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, right, well, let's kick off, uh, shall we, uh, with a discussion about um, what's happening to the transparency regime uh, in respect to derivatives and bonds. Um, Jonathan, uh, the Treasury is currently con conducting a very broad consultation on prospective changes to the UK wholesale markets uh, regime. Um, I understand that as part of this review, uh, the transparency regime for fixed income and derivative instruments is, is something that's going to be looked at, uh, as it came to the conclusion that the current MIFID regime has brought little meaningful transparency uh, to the markets. Um, Jonathan, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, thanks, Saru. I think the first point to make is that the UK Treasury is proposing to remove the concept completely of trading on a trading venue from the whole of the transparency regime. Now, just to sort of back up on what we're talking about here, for those who are derivatives aficionados, everyone will be aware that for many, many years, we've had this great debate around um, you know, mandatory trading and also what liquidity and transparency requirements are in relation to on-market derivatives and those that are treated as if effectively they are traded on market, i.e. that this very mystical concept of trading on a trading venue. And there's a whole kind of literature behind that in relation to the ESMA opinion and all the rest of it. To cut to the chase here, the view has been taken certainly in the UK market and in many uh, countries within the EU that actually it's an extremely narrow category. And unless you go out of your way to effectively say that the, the OTC derivative is such a literal lookalike of an exchange traded derivative, you will find that that is treated as a separate instrument. What the Treasury are essentially proposing to do is to cut that debate and essentially say, the non-market traded, non-venue non traded instrument is definitely outside scope of the transparency regime. It's a separate instrument we won't have this sort of potential cover of this extra um, category of traded on a trading venue. So that's point one. Just two or three other points to mention. The first is that they are proposing to change the liquidity determinations to um, you know, replace the current mechanism with a quantitative and qualitative assessment. Um, now that ties into a much broader theme which runs through the paper in various areas. We might pick up on some of them today around qualitative approaches, market-based approaches. So that's no surprises, really. And just one or two other final points to make. First is they're looking to exempt bilateral trades from pre-trade transparency. That's always operationally been a nightmare for firms, so that's welcome. And also they're looking to simplify the waivers regime. Over to you, Aru. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Jonathan. Uh, Anna, if we move on to uh, the situation in Europe, um, I understand that the Commission is preparing a broad review uh, of the MIFID II and MIFIA regime, but is also going to address transparency regime uh, for bonds and derivatives. Um, you know, is this the case? Uh, and if so, uh, do you have any views on how any potential changes that occur in Europe might be aligned or misaligned with what, what's being considered in the UK? Sure. Um, yes, Rup. So um, there, there is indeed a broader MIFID II and MIFIA review coming. And in fact, the European Commission is expected to publish its legislative proposals as soon as next week so so really the changes are 
are, um, uh, are, are, are imminent. Um, but perhaps just uh, to mention a couple of points that um, uh, to comment on what, what Jonathan has just said, in respect of the traded on trading venue concept, um, there were recommendations um, issued by ESMA in March this year, and ESMA recommended to replace the regime with an approach under which the SI, so systematic internalizers, would be subject to reference data and transaction reporting and should make transparent quotes and transactions that um, they execute in derivatives belong to the same subasset class of derivatives for which they are SIs. So it, it is looking for measures to somehow um, replace this traded on trading venue concept, which has proven problematic also um, in Europe. Uh, and to this end, ESMA did set out very detailed proposals and how the, those amendments would look like and how this alternative regime should be structured, with an ultimate objective being that both SIs and non-SI entities will no longer have to implement complex checks to compare on a trade-by-trade -trade basis, whether an OTC derivative shares the same reference data details as the derivative executed on the trading venue. And more generally, ESMA um, also concurred with the industry views that it's important to improve in the fostered transparency regime um, generally, and recommended a number of um, targeted changes, um, which I, I think we'll be we'll be discussing in, in a moment in a bit more detail. But also, um, just to comment on um, one other point that Jonathan has mentioned in terms of liquidity determinations, um, ESMA did mention that it sees merit in changing the current methodology to determine liquid bonds. And ESMA knows that very, very small amount of bonds are uh, liquid, which means in practice, uh, uh, that more than 99.5% of bonds are not subject to pre-trade transparency. And ESMA is of the view that transparency regime is um, therefore currently not ensuring a meaningful level of pre-trade transparency in those markets. And it considered different approaches. For example, the liquidity determination test to be removed and the simplified regime could be created relying only on the LIS thresholds. This approach would, however, require a change of level one basic legislative provisions, but it also considered some alternative changes concern, um, regarding level two, so changes to RTSs. Um, that said, ESMA did say that any meaningful change to the transparency regime would have to be um, preceded by a very detailed impact assessment and also take into account the consequences of Brexit. Uh, thank you for that, Anna. Um, now, if we move on uh, to the next topic we're going to sort of talk about today, and that's post-trade uh, transparency. So, Jonathan, um, what's the government in the UK proposing in this area? So, I think the big headline is that they are looking to simplify the deferrals a great deal. I know this is something that's also been talked about on the European side, but the, the UK proposal effectively is to remove a number of the more complicated deferrals, SSTI and the package order and the FP deferrals in particular, and have a much, much simpler structure around what is left. So I think that will be broadly speaking, welcomed by much of the market. Um, they are looking to keep the large and scale um, deferral in place uh, in relation to liquid instruments, but to have a more calibrated approach. That ties to a point I made a minute ago around sort of qualitative, more market-based kind of tests. And, and finally, and again, it's really a very similar point, looking to revert to what one might describe as the pre-MIFID II situation where trading venues are the entities that calculate the large and scale thresholds for um, post-trade transparency, it isn't set at competent authority, you know, 
UK regulator level. In other words, bringing it down to the level of the market. And that's one of the big macro themes that runs through the Treasury's paper. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that, Jonathan. Um, if we move on to Europe now, Anna, can you tell us um, if similar uh, changes are being contemplated over that? Yes, sure, Eric. So on a general note, ESMA um, confirmed in, in its uh, review report um, uh, that MIFID 2 and MIFIR have to date not fully delivered on the objective of enhancing the efficiency, resilience and integrity of financial markets. So here, I think the conclusion is very similar to what HM Treasury included in their paper. And um, uh, in respect, uh, specifically, by achieving greater transparency for non-equity instruments, or rather failing to achieve the greater transparency for, for those instruments. And ESMA noted that many market participants support a focus in terms of transparency regime on the most stringent obligations for post-trade transparency rather than pre-trade transparency side. It also noted the very broad support um, expressed by stakeholders in favor of a more streamlined and uniform post-trade regime that no longer includes options left at the discretion of the different national competent authorities. So it did suggest a number of amendments to the post-trade transparency regime that could involve, um, for example, and deletion of the concept of the SSTI for the deferral regime in the level one text. And this deletion would create, in accordance to ESMA, a simpler post-trade transparency regime resulting in more, more transparency and ensuring a level playing field as well as more clarity for market participants. Um, in terms of the LIS and illiquid deferral, ESMA proposes to base a new deferral regime on volume masking for both illiquid instruments and the, and the uh, LIS transactions. Um, and this would entail publication of post-trade information for transactions above the LIS thresholds and illiquid instruments as close to real time as possible. And in terms of the sovereign bonds, ESMA confirms that it's, it, its readiness to help develop a bespoke transparency regime for the trading of sovereign bonds in the secondary market. So this is something which might be addressed in the future. But there's one more thing that it's worthwhile mentioning um, today, um, because according to an unofficial draft of the European Commission's proposal for the fear review, um, which became um, uh, recently available, the Commission indeed plans to amend the deferral regime by shortening the deferral periods um, by uh, specifically the, the, the deferred publication of the price of transactions until the end of the trading day or the volume transactions for a maximum of two weeks. And by harmonizing publication deferrals for non-entity post-trade reports to the public, it also proposes to remove the discretion of national competent authorities to allow that post-trade reports for non-equities are deferred for four weeks and also um, by replacing it with the union-wide thresholds. Only with regards to sovereign debts, national competent authorities will be able to, uh, um, to retain their own discretion. Um, but we know also, and this is just the final point I wanted to make, that the, the key focus of the upcoming method two and the fear review will be an introduction of the new consolidated tape regime for various instruments, but including bonds and derivatives. And indeed, in accordance with this unofficial draft that I have just mentioned, the Commission plans to introduce um, a, such a consolidated tape regime based on a single independent consolidator for each asset class. So for shares, for ETFs, for bonds, and for derivatives, um, appointed by ESMA, 
uh, in a result of a tender procedure and data for the purposes of this um, consolidated tape is to be submitted on a mandatory basis and compensation for data contributors is to be based on the minimum revenue target. But as I said, these are all um, information based for the moment on unofficial draft and we are yet to see the final and official publication of those proposals. I see. Well, uh, still very interesting. And uh, thank you for that, Anna. Um, if we move on to our next topic, uh, and this is, uh, we're going to talk about the derivatives trading obligation now, or sometimes known as the, the DTO. Um, Jonathan, uh, again, I understand in the context of the government's wholesale markets review, uh, it's looking at uh, possible changes to the rules that govern the DTO. Um, what sort of things is the government looking at here? Sure. Thanks, Rune. A couple of very simple proposals. One is to align the DTO. Um, uh, scope to the EMEA clearing obligation makes a lot of sense. It's always been one of the sort of bugbears in our practice is trying to understand how the two fit together. So that I think will be welcomed by much of the industry. I think the second point um, is just uh, and very similar actually to extend the exemption to all non price forming post trade risk reduction services rather than just having it sort of limited to compression and one or two others that are mentioned. Uh, I think that's really just. A competitive level playing field point and a recognition of the broader services that are out there. So all good common sense changes, one would have thought. Very good. Um, and Anna, how about uh, in Europe? What's the situation like over there in respect of the DTO? Are any changes in the off? Sure, uh, there are. There are some changes um, underway. Just perhaps by the way, a very quick reminder, the situation from the European perspective is that no changes to the DTO regime had been introduced to take account of the fact that the UK is currently in non-equivalent jurisdiction and that EU firms cannot execute European derivatives trading obligation by trading on UK trading venues. And it's in November um, last year, a public statement as one noted complications um, that this dual regime had for UK branches of EU investment firms, but effectively called it a consequence um, of the way in which the UK has chosen to implement um, DTO regime. But in terms of um, further looking developments, in January last year, ESMA recommended a full alignment uh, between the clearing obligation and the derivatives uh, trading obligation regarding the scope of counterparties. So the similar change that um, the Jonathan had mentioned just a moment ago. And ESMA repeated its recommendations in its September um, report on MIFID review, starting uh, stating that it proposes a full alignment between the clearing obligation and the derivatives, clearing obliga derivatives trading um, obligation provisions. And interestingly, also responding to industry's feedback, ESMA as also proposed to introduce a targeted amendment to the equivalent regime for, for the DTO. And to this end, it proposed to change conditions of equivalence decisions to ensure third country trading venues would have to provide market participants with a non-discriminatory access and also apply comparable transparency requirements to derivatives subject to the DTO as are um, applicable under the NIFIR framework. And ESMA also considered possible provisions regarding suspension of trading obligation and proposed to introduce in the level one text a shorter procedure for the self-standing suspension of the uh, trading obligation capable of ensuring timely reaction to market development. And interestingly, just ahead of recording of this podcast, as I've mentioned before, had a chance to look at um, some advanced unofficial versions of the upcoming European Commission's proposal for the field review. And according to this draft, the Commission indeed is going to propose the alignment in scope between the clearing obligation and the trading obligation. It also proposes to introduce an ad hoc suspension mechanism for the derivatives 
trading obligation in order to be able to swiftly react to significant changes in the market, market conditions that may have a material effect on the trading of derivatives and their counterparties. As such, a suspension of the trading obligation should be possible where the activities of an EU investment firm with a non-EEA counterparty are unduly affected by the scope of the EU trading obligation on derivatives and where that firm acts as a market, mar a market maker in the category of derivatives subject to the trading obligation. And without explicitly referring to the UK, the Commission notes that um, the, the issue overlapping and derivatives trading obligations is particularly acute when trading with counterparties domiciled in a third country jurisdiction that applies its own derivatives trading obligation. But again, as said, this is, these are information based mm -hmm. on unofficial drafts and we may see some changes to that and um, definitely worth referring to the final versions um, of those proposals as um, they will be published very shortly. Sure, sure. Well, um, but thank you for that. Uh, nonetheless, Anna, extremely interesting insights uh, there. And thank you, Jonathan, as well, uh, for your views uh, on the proposed changes to the UK regime. Um, before we close, though, um, is it possible uh, for both of you just to give us uh, a little flavour uh, as to what the next steps are and, and when we potentially see uh, any changes actually taking effect. So Jonathan, perhaps we can start with you if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a waiting game. We're waiting for the Treasury's next round. We've been promised that for some while. So hopefully soon, and it's part of a much bigger package of reforms and waiting for an FCA paper as well. So I think, I think 2022 is going to be a busy year on MIFID reform would be my summary of it. I see. And uh, Anna, how about how about in the EU? What's uh, what's going to happen next now? Well, 2022 is going to be a very busy year as well, indeed, <laughs> but we are expecting our proposals, the European proposals, as, uh, as I've mentioned, uh, imminently. So um, towards the end of November and the date that um, we currently have in mind is the 23rd of November. So we should be watching uh, very, very closely any announcements from the European Commission um, over the coming week or so. And then obviously, and the proposals will have to be subject to the legislative review and both the co-legislators, European Parliament and the member states will have a chance to provide their own amendments to the text proposed. So um, this will be very much um, a work in progress for the long months to come. Excellent. So uh, I think we can all agree that there's uh, certainly a lot uh, in the pipeline uh, and market uh, participants will be well advice to keep an eye uh, on the situation both sides of channel to uh, to understand what's going on and obviously the best way of doing that is go to regulationtomorrow.com uh, and sign up for updates uh, which we will provide um we will be back uh, with further podcasts on this issue of evolution and divergence of markets uh, between the eu and the uk thank you to anna and jonathan and thank you uh, to all of you for listening in uh, we hope to catch you again soon